Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurzbacher. And today we're going to talk about the story of Simba from the Broadway musical and Disney hit movie, The Lion King. You might recall that this is a story of a lion prince in Africa who fears he's done wrong and will be rejected by the pride. So he runs away to hide. Simba has many experiences and meets a lot of friends along the way. But at the end of the story, Simba comes back. It's a hero's journey, like so many other adventure stories we've heard on this podcast. And our guest story begins with her playing Simba live on stage at a very early age. It was a role that has played out in her life offstage as she's embarked on a great journey of self-discovery. We have with us Dina Marie Vinek, a coach for creatives, leaders, and business vagabonds, a native of Leipzig, Germany, former transplant to Los Angeles, and perpetual traveler at present, Dina Marie's company is completely remote. Her vision is fueled by her arts administration background, notably with the Detroit Symphony, the Sphinx Organization, the Segerstrom Center, and the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra. Her early role as Simba, combined with her own personal exploration, traveling and working around the world, showed her that running from the past doesn't make it better. She's learned and now helps her clients to find the self-love, healing, and surrender that are available when we learn to embrace our own personal story. Dina Marie, I want to welcome you to the campfire. Thank you so much, Scott. This is such a beautiful introduction. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited. This story really, really resonates with me, especially this year. Um, we've talked mm. a little bit um, as we kind of gotten to know each other off, off the show. And uh, you know that earlier this year, I traveled to Africa and had the opportunity to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and go on a safari and actually see the lions up on their pride rock. And so it just like made this whole thing so magical. And it's so funny because the guide that took us up to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, he was amazing. He dubbed our group, the Simba group. And we actually did a podcast about it. That was uh, episode 21, if you want to hear that story. But um, a few months later, I actually ended up taking my nine-year-old daughter to New York City for a spring break trip. And we went and saw the Lion King. I'd never seen it before. And just like that whole experience of, um, of Africa and, you know, just like my own childhood being involved in music and shows and all of this, like I sat there and watched the Lion King and it was just magical. Like I literally got teary eyed, uh, like, especially during the opening when all the animals come in, it's just like, what a magical show. And so I'm just Absolutely. so, so, so excited to talk to you like more in depth about this story. So I think with that, if we can just do um, a little bit of an intro on, on who you are, where you are, and kind of just a real fast overview of, of what's going on with you right now. Absolutely. And I just want to say real quickly, you're a few steps ahead of me. I've actually never been to Africa. 
So I've never seen the lion's life, but I definitely have a lion inside of me and definitely can relate to that music just makes you cry. It's <laughs> it so does. emotional, it really touches something deep inside your body and your soul. So I'm Dina in real life, I'm Dina. Uh, and my mission is to affect social change through innovation. I do this as a leadership coach and as a business nurturer. And in doing so, really what I'm interested in is helping leaders, entrepreneurs, creatives, as, as well as business vagabonds tap into their purpose by working through their pain so that they can really live into their purpose, expound upon the impact that they're meant to have in this world without sacrificing themselves for it. Mm. Right. So one of my favorite questions to ask is who do you need to be in order to achieve this dream? Now, you know, this mission and this whole shtick of let's tap into what's not working for you to reveal your purpose is really the story of my own life. And I think the story of Simba as well. Mm. So backtracking from here, um, I'm currently traveling perpetually. So Mike called me a digital nomad and <laughs> nice. it's, <laughs> I mean, it's all I ever wanted. We'll get into that in a moment. I'm currently based in Bali. I've lived in Portugal and also in Germany this year. And before that was COVID. So I was pretty much stationary in Germany. Yeah. And before I started my business, before I started working as a coach and as a business nurturer, I was immersed in the orchestra management field of the United States. Mm -hmm. I worked as a professional arts administrator in community engagement and fundraising, most recently in Los Angeles, which was the dream life I had always wanted. And prior to that, I grew up in Germany on stage, pretty much. Yes. I played many, many different parts as a musical theater actress. And all of those roles were, you know, those characters became my first mentors in life. I love it. Meanwhile, I, I am the daughter of divorced parents and that, you know, came with its own set of lessons and growing pains and turmoil and, um, you know, a lot of things that I'm sure we'll get into today. But I'll leave this hanging right there. And yeah, no, this is this is so great. So you kind of you did such a good job, kind of kind of bringing this all around. So let's let's go to the story of Simba and your your early experience playing Simba, and and how this whole whole thing shapes and forms. Absolutely. So you gave such a beautiful perspective on the story of Simba. Right at its core, it's a Disney musical that everybody loved when it came out in, I think, 1996 or 95. There are many iterations out there. I personally, of course, prefer the one on music on, on the stage. You know, when I think of Simba's story, though, it's more than just a musical or a Disney movie. It's really the story of somebody who doesn't yet know, like all of us growing up, who doesn't yet mm -hmm. know how to cope with pain and trauma mm -hmm. and runs away and seeks a life of Hakuna Matata and builds a life in supposed paradise on that motto, Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. And just, you know, turns his back onto his past instead of turning around and facing it. And at some point, you know, Nala comes back and then Rafiki looks at Simba and says, you don't know who you are. <laughs> 
and then he turns back and as he turns back into to, towards his past and really faces it heals that's when he can ascend to the throne that's when he can truly turn pride rock into this beautiful oasis of of just community and i relate to that very very much i as a child definitely didn't know how to cope with any kind of pain and there was quite a bit of pain in my childhood my parents got divorced i was pretty much being torn apart between both of my parents because I ended up being the only thing they had left in common. Mm -hmm. Wanted to not disappoint my mom on the one hand, was desperately seeking my dad's approval and validation on the other hand, and became completely immersed into different versions of Hakuna Matata paradise. For many years, that was the stage for me. I could hide behind characters. I could feel all feelings without any of those feelings being my own feelings. And... Um, over time, I just started running. Now, Simba runs towards Hakuna Matata, towards Timon and Pumbaa. I ran once and a half, like one and a half around the world, trying to, to find a place where I could fit in, where I could feel a sense of belonging, until eventually I realized that all of those conversations, all of these amazing backpacking trips, becoming an expat at 19 years old, was paradise and beautiful only at the surface. Mm. Wow. And at some point, you know, for me, it was a job interview. It wasn't Rafiki. It was a job interview where they asked me some simple questions about my future. They didn't know how to answer any of those questions. I think if I can just stop you for a second, because I think yeah. it's just so profound, especially as a, a young person that's performing. Like this is, you know, to be able to look back and see that you you mentioned that you would hide behind the characters. Mm. And I think that like, you know, it's just like when you're on stage, like this is just such an obvious thing. Like we're wearing costumes, we're wearing masks. And the fact that you get to hide behind these characters, it's just like, you know, this is what we do in life, right? I mean, it's just very obvious when you're up on stage, but I just wonder if you could talk about that because, you know, all of us wear masks, you know, at, at certain parts of our lives, like we all wear masks, we all hide behind certain aspects of our personality. And I just wondered if you could talk about like what 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 that was like um, and what was kind of going on behind the scenes as you were, as you said, hiding behind the characters. Yes, for sure. You know, I always say I left the stage when I was about 17 or 18 years old, but the stage never left me. Like I continued mm -hmm. to play a character, somebody who I thought I was supposed to be. And I think that, you know, in our early years, sometimes until we we're in, well into our 20s, 30s, sometimes 40s, 50s, we do hide behind masks. And I call that living a life of duplicity, right? Like we can't cope being the person that we are at our core. We can't, we don't feel safe enough to reveal to the world and to ourselves, our authentic self. So we put up this mask of accolades, of, you know, a perfect resume, of striving to be the best of the year employee or whatever, right? Not really, not just allowing the world not to see our true selves, but not looking at ourselves. Mm. And see, this is where, you know, bringing this back to Simba's journey, this like question or this, this statement that Rafiki makes after 
you know, Rafiki knocks Simba over the head. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, she says, like, you don't know who you are. And that's when Simba, that's when I, that's when we all have to really take a step back and become really honest with ourselves. And that's something I'd love to really for the listeners to take away from this when you're noticing that you're wearing a mask, that you're hiding behind a character on or off stage. First of all, I want to acknowledge you for that, mm-hmm. for, just, for just noticing and acknowledging that who you present to the world isn't who you truly are. That's the point at which you might just want to sit down and pause and ask yourself, what is true about myself? Like, what is true about myself? Is it true that I'm happy? No, it's true that I'm feeling depressed. It's true that I'm hungry. It's true that I don't like my job. And just allow for that truth to have space in your mind, in your journal, without judging yourself for that. Yeah. That's the first step to take off the mask. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. This podcast is a passion project for me because I absolutely love adventure. And it's thanks to the effort of my residential real estate team here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that many of you know as the W Realty Group, that this podcast gets funded. This awesome group of people have unmatched levels of competence and caring for our clients. If you know of anyone looking to buy or sell a home, Our team serves the Charlotte, North Carolina market, but we can also help you find an agent anywhere throughout the US or Canada through our highly connected network. When you support our real estate business, you are also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for your referrals. You made the comment like you you essentially applauded the listener that notices the mask. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, it's a great point. Like that's, that is the first step because so many of us go around life, like not even realizing we're wearing a mask, right? Exactly. We're trying to, to please somebody else. We're trying to be someone, somebody that we think can be loved without really loving ourselves. Mm, man, well, we're going to, we're going to get into that. Okay. So for, for the listeners, how long were you in in on the stage as a child? 11 years. 11 years. And so you got to a point at the end of 11 years where you made a conscious decision that it was time to get off the stage and go in a different direction. Same industry, but not no longer on the stage. So can, can we talk about that experience a little bit? I wouldn't say it was conscious. <laughs> <laughs> it was conscious? It definitely wasn't a conscious decision. Um, it, it was, was driven okay. by a few... No, it was driven by a few different factors. Cool. Okay. The troop that I was with um, con- discontinued to exist for reasons that we don't need to get into. And I gave my last performance with that troop without even knowing that I was giving my last performance. But after that, I continued on acting, mm-hmm. being on stage as an actress and a dancer. So no longer musical theater, but I did both kind of separately from one another. And then when I did make the decision to get off stage, it was driven by one factor that was conscious and another one that I only like a decade later really understood. The first factor was that my acting teacher, both in Los Angeles, Scott Dreyer, and in Germany, Tom Bailey, as well as my music teacher, Paul Fawkes, enabled me to just produce events. Like they saw some leadership in me and Scott in Los Angeles put me in charge 
of a dance troupe. Suddenly I was dance captain and didn't even speak English fluently at the time. And meanwhile, in Germany, I was producing annual concerts and I loved that. I loved creating a space of transformation through music. And I do that today still. Now it's no longer just music. Now it's just purpose-driven innovation of any kind. Gotcha. And I kind of woke up to that bigger calling and started looking for music management, music industry degrees to attend college for. That was very, very much just following something I was incredibly good at and mm -hmm. loved doing. Now, the other thing was really subconscious, very... It was rebellious, but not conscious, so to say. Okay. I had just gone through a very, very painful lawsuit, actually, relating still to my parents' divorce that went all the way back to, like, when I was three years old. Okay. Um, and I, I had just gotten to a point where I didn't want to feel anymore, and I just shut, shut out all of my emotions. I numbed myself. And you can't act when you're numbing yourself yeah like a you can't act b uh, i kind of became afraid of acting because that meant i had to tap into a whole plethora of emotions i wasn't ready to feel mm -hmm. and you know i whilst the stage had always been my sanctuary right the safe space where i felt like i belonged it no longer felt safe to me to to feel so you know my new vice became working so working the, really the no longer felt like you felt safe up there because you were able to you know really get into the character but was it just sort of this like like conflicting feelings yeah so in, the, in like growing up the stage was where i could just be me even yes. though i was playing another character i was being authentic i belonged up there like i could claim that space for myself and I didn't feel like I could claim a lot of space yeah. off stage just because there was constant fighting going on. And yeah, it became very conflicting when something, you know, at a young age is like an emotional push and pull. You don't have the tools to deal with that just yet. Yeah. Well, I know this is something we're going to get into later, but, you know, there's that that curiosity, that creativity and that playfulness that we have as kids. Mm. And I suspect that when you were playing those roles, Simba and so many of the other roles, you just were having fun. Right. But this oh, happened yeah. at a time in your life, right. Where you kind of went through like, you know, the, the curious child literally to like, you know, growing up as a teenager and, and, you know, starting to deal with like real life issues. And this is where like the pain and the hurt starts starts coming together. So it's like, you know, you were like literally experiencing this as an actress and on stage, but it's like, you know, it's, it's not maybe so obvious for other people that don't have, you know, the performance stage. It's like just such a, a great metaphor, what, what you've gone through, but it is kind of, you know, the story that so many of us go through that, that pain and hurt that happens as we are growing into adulthood. Absolutely. We start out as these very playful, curious beings, then life hits and we become like stern and serious and we start to do, do, do. And I would offer that when later in life we want to maybe build a business, become an entrepreneur or lead the charge inside an organization, we got to reconnect 
with that playfulness in order to really tap into our purpose. But we'll get into that in a moment. So in the story of the Lion King, at some point, Simba leaves the pride, right? And he goes and he he hides. And um, I'm just curious, like, when you kind of look at your own story, where the where the similarity is um because i know that like you came to the us to go to school and you've lived in a bunch of different places and then at one point you decide to take a backpacking trip to southeast asia so i'm gonna kind of hear like you know i'd love to just sort of if you could take us through that timeline and 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 what happened and then you know kind of tell us how that related to the story of simba absolutely i mean simba runs away once I, I started running and I just kept running four or five years. <laughs> so this is where our stories diverge from one another. Yeah. Uh, in high school, again, I had just gotten off this, for me, very terrible lawsuit mm-hmm. that involved both of my parents mm-hmm. who, you know, I both love, but it, it was nasty yeah. and painful. And I just became so adamant about this dream I had to study music management in the United States. And I poured my all into this. I literally made the impossible possible. I called up Syracuse University, which had one of the most esteemed, most interdisciplinary and most successful music degrees, music industry degrees in the whole wild world. And I said, hi, I'm so-and-so, this is what I can bring to your university. Here's my promise, which was basically, I'm going to give this my absolute all and you have to pay for it. Like, I don't have a dime to my name to pay for this Um, because education is free in Germany, right? And, you know, between a few key mentors and supporters at Syracuse, as well as the Russian conductor, Semyon Bishkov, I received the funding, the full scholarship to to go on this journey. And I mean, I didn't know what was driving me at the time. Now it's kind of obvious. I just kind of wanted to get away. Mm -hmm. But I was adamant about leaving Germany. There was absolutely no plan B that I had. Didn't even apply to any universities in Germany. So I went to Syracuse. I started working many, many hours. I was a part-time concert venue manager. I was a resident advisor. I took 26 credits. The maximum is 19. And uh, finished that degree within, you know, six semesters instead of eight semesters. And then the seventh semester, I took one class and applied for an internship in Los Angeles, which turned into a full-time position. And that's how I made that dream happen to go live and work in Los Angeles. So, you know, running got me exactly to where I wanted to be, to Los Angeles, to work at like one of my favorite orchestras, to do work for the orchestra that that really drove how the orchestra related to their community, which is known as diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging work. Mm -hmm. And I hated everything about it. I hated myself. I didn't know who I was. I suddenly, again, I started asking myself these questions. What is true about me? And the truth of the matter was I hated the perfect car. I wasn't happy in my perfect relationship. I definitely disguised my perfect job. And I just wanted out. 
so eventually they offered me a promotion, a raise, a visa sponsorship, like all of the things I should have wanted. And I said, thanks, no thanks, and went home and booked a flight to Ho Chi Minh City, to Vietnam. So... <laughs> Do you feel like booking that flight to Southeast Asia is a continuance of the running, or was it a, a wake-up that you just needed a change? It was both in the sense that at that point I knew that running and working to the point where, like, Besides drugs, I used all of the vices available to me to mm -hmm. just not think about myself. Right. I completely overworked myself, so I became oh, just burned out. I, um, you know, like anything, alcohol, dancing late at night, going out, sex, working. I did it all just not to be with myself. And at some point, I sat down in Los Angeles and asked myself the second question that I think is really important for this audience to hear, and that is, what do I need right now? What Not do what do I right need in general, but what do yeah. I need right now? And what I needed right now was silence. silence. Yeah. And to just be with myself. And I was terrified of that. But I needed that. And that was the place from which I booked the flight. And, and that was, so that was the goal for Southeast Asia. So I'm curious, just some thoughts that's going through my mind as we're talking and we think about the story of Simba. Um, Rafiki mm -hmm. says to Simba, you don't know who you are. And it yeah. sounds like, you know, it, it's, it's taking a little while to hear that voice, but it sounds like you have a voice that's telling you that. I'm just curious, was there a Rafiki in, in your life at this time? Not one in particular. I mean, Rafiki, I think, is just a projection of what happens inside all of us, right? At some point, when life is no longer working in the physical realm, there's going to be a voice. Call it intuition, call it higher self, call it God that's going to want to speak to you. So for me, it was the culmination of a bunch of different things. Like, again, job interview that I attained, my, my reaction, my gut reaction to getting a promotion and a visa sponsorship, and just dreading to even get out of bed and wake up in Los Angeles. So you go to Southeast Asia. What, happen what happens there? I go to Southeast Asia. I don't talk to anybody. This is the first time in my life where I don't have a plan. Like I didn't even book my hostel until I got to my layover in China, three hours ahead of touching ground in Vietnam. Don't talk to anybody. I travel through Southeast Asia. I take a flight to Sri Lanka. And in Sri Lanka, I decide it's time to come home. It's time, time to, to come, come home, home and clean up. And I continued asking myself that question, what do I need right now? I wanted to, I was always very close with my mom and that mm -hmm. relationship kind of grew a little more distant, the more physical distance there was between us. And I wanted answers from dad. You know, long story short, of course, it, takes a few months to actually move yourself from one continent to another continent. Right. 
uh, I announced to my partner at the time that we were going to go a long distance. You can imagine how that went over. We didn't last very long. And moved back to Germany. There, it took another five to six months of, again, working. Like, that was my default, right? You just work <laughs> until I hit a really nasty depression and just couldn't get out of bed. And that's when I hired a therapist and shortly after that, a coach. Now, I will say, when I moved back to Germany, life just handed me jobs. Like, in a way, life was saying, you did the right thing. So even though at this point, and this was a big shift, I was feeling miserable. There was now this Rafiki voice inside of me that was saying, yeah. you're onto something. Like, I, I touched ground in Germany and started producing a retreat in Strasbourg, France, a whole festival in Germany. I co-produced a conference for orchestra managers in Germany. Like, I did a bunch of things there, and eventually that became coaching. But I was set in terms of job, network, financially. And that gave me the bit of security that I needed to go and look at myself. Yeah. So I love, like, I love part of the story. Like I just felt like, you know, there's, there's this point at which you come back to, to Germany and you mentioned um, getting a therapist, hiring a coach. Like to me, it kind of feels like this is the point where it's like, okay, it's time yeah. for Simba to come home. It's time to get help and it's time for Simba to come home. And I remember when we spoke last week, you also shared with me that you got really intentional about um, personal growth and starting to dive into books and spirituality. And uh, maybe you could share a little bit about that, that journey. It's like kind of that place where you started to like really take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a few things I want to say here. First and foremost, enrolling oneself into therapy is both terrifying and a very loving thing to do. Yeah. Right. So you know, I say it nonchalantly. Oh, yeah, mm. like eventually I hired a therapist. Like, yeah. I was shaking like this on the phone <laughs> with the therapist, right? Because it like you got to get emotionally naked for for that to to work. I knew that I was going to have to have to have to do some really deep exploration. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what really helped me. Spirituality helped me because spirituality to me is the empowerment of the higher self, the empowerment of the authentic self. And what at the time I heard over and over again, and really the place that I coach from nowadays is the only way, th the only way through is through. And I wanna pause here and maybe dive a little deeper if that's okay. Yes, please. Remember, I, I said earlier, you know, we all growing up at some point lose our playfulness. We lose this like path of joy and then we grow serious. We learn about all of the things that we have to do. And oftentimes what that does is it puts us onto this path of shoulds and yes. onto this path of being a human doing. Mm -hmm. And then when we you know, that exhausts us, that burns us out, that 
distances us from who we are truly being and from that purpose and playfulness. Now, when we begin to do inner work, when we begin to look at our own trauma, look at our own pains, not only do we have an opportunity to rewrite our story, right? Suddenly that dad who was always absent became the dad who loved me dearly, but didn't have access to me. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's like completely changes one's identity when you change your story like that. Now, and, and then tapping, using self-development, professional development, spirituality, therapy, coaching, whatever it is, to let, look at the pain that you have, that we all have accumulated in our past, what now becomes available is also the memory of when we used to play, of when we used to just have this exuberant joy in just being, being in the moment. And we can remember what we used to love. Yeah. Because now we're no longer afraid of the pain, right? And now that is how you can find your purpose. That is how you can really have a true impact in this world. Not from a place of having to sacrifice yourself, but from a place of I'm a human being. I choose who I'm being. Yeah. Well, I, I really love this. And you just talked about like, you talked about fundamentally, like being able to rewrite your story and the mm -hmm. kind of change really just kind of change the way that you think about the circumstance. Like as I sit here talking to you, mm. I mean, especially the early part of your story, when you talked about Syracuse and I knew there were, I know there's so many other examples. Um, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that like these things aren't things that just fell in your lap. Like I see somebody who was motivated by, you know, pain. Um, but you have a real ambition right? Yes. Because you got after it. You know, you picked up the yes. phone and you said, you called them to tell you, here's what I can do for you. It wasn't, what can you do for me? Exactly. And, and thank you so much for drawing this out. Like this is, this is a story of pain and we all have that part of our story, but it was also, it's also a story of really, again, like being driven by uniting communities and my vehicle was innovation. It always has been innovation. So yeah, there, there's a lot of persistence. And, and here's the thing, and we don't have to go too deep on this one, but like, what if the pain wasn't there? This story, <laughs> wouldn't have, it wouldn't have unfolded, right? Like that was the motivator. It was the motivator, but not the only one. I, I have certain privileges that others may not have. I was mm -hmm. born in a first world country. I have a very strong, I have access to very strong currency. I, I'm, I'm a white skinned woman. These are privileges I was born with. And then I was also handed a lot of resources. Yeah. Always had access to fantastic education. I got a scholarship to an international private school. I had a fantastic music education, right? So it wasn't just the pain. The pain was kind of driving me. Right. But then there were all of those other things also that were just sheer beauty and things that I'm very, very grateful for as well. Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing that together because there yeah. is like, you know, a moment of gratitude, appreciation for what we have. But I also want to make sure that we're, we're appreciating the, that kind of that inner drive and that ambition that helped yeah. propel you forward to like, you know, recognize the gifts that you have and, and use them even if you weren't consciously doing them at the time. That ambition was there whether you yeah. saw it or not at that time, which is super cool. 
and see what what I also want to say here, you know, like some may resonate with my stories and, and some may not resonate with that. Really, when I say pain, what I'm saying is there's a certain identity that the stories that we tell about our childhood, about our present shape. And stories are narratives, and a narrative takes on different perspectives, meaning we can always change the story. Not in a sense like go and lie or deny. No, but we can, you know, move from the antagonist's role into the protagonist's role and redefine who we are being. Let me back up here. A former client of mine is a fantastic creative entrepreneur and kept hitting these walls in business every time there was like a relational issue in business mm -hmm. they would fall apart things wouldn't work out the way they needed to work out and one time we had been working for about a year together at that point they came to me to the call and they said i want to talk about two things and that's how i opened my calls how how can i serve you today what would you like to create and they said well, I have, I have this meeting with this donor coming up. I want to talk about that. And also, I think I'm polyamorous. Can we talk about the donor first? And I said, no, let's talk about that other thing. And we worked through, you know, him coming to terms with a new identity that he had just found yeah. and determining, defining who he wants to be now with this new identity, who he wants to be in his private relationships. We had about 10 minutes left at the end of the call. And I said, so what about this donor? And he goes, I know exactly what to do. Like, thank <laughs> you so much. A year later, he messages me and goes, thank you for holding space for my personal relationships, working through my personal pain, relationships and identity with you has helped me amplify my professional impact. Mm, that's rich. That is and awesome. And that's, that's really what this is about. Like, yeah. if you're not dealing with whatever happened in the past, and this can help, this can be yesterday or 10, 20, 30 years ago, there is so much gold. There is so much opportunity in maybe that real nasty breakup, maybe that like fight you had with your sister or that, you know, fallout with your mom, whatever it might be. There is an opportunity to seek lessons and growth from that. And if you're not doing that, you're keeping yourself small and you're foregoing having a beautiful impact on, on the community, on the world around you. Yeah. And so, and I love this. This is where, this is kind of where we left off when you come back to Germany and you start going on this like journey of self-exploration and finding yourself. So, so, so what happens in this story? Like, how do you go from, you know, Simba mm -hmm. coming home to now all of a sudden, like having this very rich life and being able to share your story with others and then to be able to help others to discover themselves. How did we get to that point? We get to that point with a very simple business plan. I help people with an incredible therapist who helped me heal the past mm -hmm. and a very powerful coach who helped me design the future. And with me slowing way down. And by that, I mean more sleep, more healthy food, more walks, more candles in my room, more boundaries. 
and setting boundaries with family, friends, and colleagues. So that was the groundwork. Like, who do I want to be and what do I need? Who do I need? Is there someone I no longer need? Um, a, a big part of this was that I started up a relationship with my dad again. And that was a game changer for me because up until that point, I could hardly hold a professional conversation with a male client. And that changed <laughs> because I had like such a weird relationship with the first man in my life, my dad, right? So that changed completely. So the dynamics within my family, I changed because I had all of the support. And that's also a, a message I really want to send out there. I did not do this alone. I did not. I enrolled support. It started with books and a journal, and then it became free master classes, and then became a therapist and a coach. You do not have to do this alone. And, you know, my natural tendency to build safe spaces, to see the opportunity in obstacles and to help people find their purpose, all things that I had been doing kind of on the side all over campus and in my job and in doing fundraising events, etc. Just very naturally lent themselves to coaching. And I started coaching within the orchestra field where I saw a huge opportunity for entrepreneurial musicians to really change and make the industry more relevant to their communities. That became very, very much in demand when COVID hit. Suddenly musicians were out of work and were having all of those ideas, but no idea how to make them happen. So, you know, COVID happened and I had clients. And then over time that turned into my coaching innovators, entrepreneurs, purpose-driven leaders of all industries and again this idea of let's heal the past and the pain so that you can ignite your purpose and not sacrifice yourself is really what's at the core of my coaching but and i know you're gonna ask me about this i'll skip ahead if that's okay like go for it where's the stage come back into my life yes yes <laughs> and it finally a few months clicked for me that coaching must only be one big part of my business. And the other big part of my business is where I have the stage again. And that's what I call business nurturing. And I now also work with two very, very high powered, very impactful, extremely purpose-driven online business coaches and consultants who have, you know, a mission bigger than themselves and I help them turn their vision into a team, into events, into strategy, into operations and, you know, realize that vision. And that might also be interesting for people to really, really hear. Don't think that one thing that you're doing must be the only thing that you're doing mm -hmm. and don't think that you can change it. Like it, once you've woken up to a purpose, that purpose can take on different shapes and forms. Affecting social change through innovation, one vehicle for me is coaching. The other one is production and operations. Mm -hmm. And I thrive doing both and I thrive most doing both and not one of them. So 
The whole world is your stage, right? Hyper, hyper yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. So Simba, Simba comes home. Dina Marie, you're back on stage. Life is yes, good. Finally. <laughs> And I belong. I belong. Like, that's actually a really great affirmation that I picked up at some point in Los Angeles. Not the first time, the second time. I finally was able to say, for so long as I'm true to myself, I belong no matter where I am. And that's why I'm able to travel and call the whole world, not just my stage, but my home and really feel that deep inside myself. Yes, I think this is a great point. I wrote down a question when we were talking, like as you were talking about masks. So my question was, how do we take off the mask? So I shared a few, you know, a few steps, action steps here and there. And yeah. I think that's really the answer to your question. Yeah. It all starts with acknowledging that you have the mask on, right? Like we can't, I can't wipe off my eye makeup without knowing it's there. I love that. And then once you kind of like touch the mask, chances are you're going to be afraid to see what's underneath, right? Like it's a whole identity that sometimes we take off when we leave this path of shoulds and duplicity and set an intention to return back to a path of I'm being a human being and I want to follow a path of joy and purpose. Fears are going to come up. Like, who am I without this mask? Can I survive without this mask? Will there be fear? Will there be rejection, judgment, et cetera? So that's when the second question, what do I need right now, becomes super important. And then over time, and again, you don't have to do this alone. Over time, that question can reveal the third question, and that is, what do I want? <laughs> Because once our needs are met, and that is called self-love, we can now look at what do I want? But yeah. we can't, like, it has to be a sequential step-by-step, -step. oh, shit. Like, let's, let's, talk, let's tell the truth about myself. Let's figure out what the truth is, meeting your own needs, setting appropriate boundaries, and then looking at, great, now what do I want to build? And then go and build it. And this is what you're helping people do. Can we just take a minute to talk about your coaching practice and some of the things that you're working on? I know you've got a new ebook that that's coming out or that's available. Love for you to share a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I work with so the business nurturing side uh, side of of my coaching is at capacity right now. I work with two business owners, and that's that. And in my coaching side of the business, I run a few different groups. I do private coaching where I work with clients one-on-one -on -one in a very emotionally intimate private container where we dive deep into not just what you want to design, which is typically a business, a new project, a new this, that, the other, but also who, what, what thoughts, what feelings, emotions, limiting beliefs are standing in the way. And then we turn these obstacles into opportunities. So I do private coaching and do group coaching. And this past year, I've taken all of my story, all of my insights and the tools I've picked up, the processes I've created, literally by just living life and then passing it on to my coaching clients and poured it all into a course that's called Be Your Future Now. 
because I don't believe that we have to wait for anybody to say, now go, we can actually turn the spotlight on ourselves and tap into our authentic self and begin to build from there. And that's when the foundation becomes very solid. The course itself is not being published for another few months or so, but there is a free resource that's attached to the course, which is available now. And that's an ebook that walks you through a three-step approach to, to look at, to, to go and explore where and who that authentic self is and begin to slowly live a life from a place of being your authentic self. It's called the sign your you, like Y-O-U, your unique future from doing to being. And I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes, but it's mps.zone forward slash Dina, D-I-N-A. And I'd love for that to be a resource for everybody yes. listening. To Absolutely. If you go to the show notes for this episode, it'll be available there. So uh, Be Your Future Now is the course. And uh, and yeah, the links, we'll have all the links there in the show notes. Dina, this has been so awesome. We're going to finish up with two quick little questions that I like to ask everybody. And because you've had such an epic adventure from you know playing Simba through this whole journey, you are an actress. You've played Simba, but Hollywood's <laughs> going to make a movie about you someday. And when they do, I want to know who the actress is that's going to play you in your story. Yes, it's going to be Anne Hathaway, and she's going to be starring in Spot On. I love it, Anne Hathaway. Perfect. <laughs> What's your movie going to be called? Spot On. Spot On. Okay, great. Spot On starring Anne Hathaway. This is awesome. This is going to be an epic story. I love this very, very much. I can't wait for it. I will come back to Los Angeles for that premiere. premiere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Well, for those listening, I sure hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Dina Marie's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Dina, thank you so much for being here today. This was so much fun. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Scott.